Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume and let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Dad Devotionals. I'm Dave Domzowski. So great to have you guys here today. Today, we're wrapping up our four-part series covering Raising Them Right by St. Theophan. And you can catch the previous episodes, guys, uh, for this series by going to daddevotionals.com slash Raising Them series. That's all one word. It's also um, episodes 87, 90, and 91, if you're checking it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So be sure not to miss that. Also, I'd love for you to help support the podcast, please. You can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash dad devotionals or buying this book right here. They're raising them right book through our Amazon affiliate link at daddevotionals.com slash raising them right. I really do appreciate it, guys. So in the interest of time for today's episode, I'll be sharing three quotes from the final three chapters. So those chapters are chapter five, the years of youth. Chapter 6, Understanding a Young Person, and Chapter 7, Preserving God's Grace. All right, so let's dive into that. Get your books out if you have one, and we're going to head to page 58. So I thought that this was a particular interesting one where he's talking about the mind of pupils. In general, one must so dispose the mind of pupils that they do not lose the conviction that our chief work is the pleasing of God, and that learning is a secondary quality, something incidental, which is good only during this present life. There is nothing more poisonous or ruinous for the spirit of Christian life than such learning and an exclusive concern for it. It casts one straight into coldness, and then one can keep forever in it. And sometimes it also adds to this in an immoral life, if there are conditions which are favorable for this. So he's saying here that, you know, if our chief work isn't pleasing God, then we fall into this category where we're learning and we're just focused on things of this world. Secondly, the second thing to which attention should be given is the spirit of the instruction or of the attitude towards the objects of study. And he says it should be an unfailing law that every kind of learning which is taught to a Christian should be penetrated with Christian principles and more precisely orthodox ones. Every branch of learning is capable of this approach, and it will be a true kind of learning only when this condition is fulfilled. Very interesting. Christian principles are true beyond doubt. Therefore, without any doubting, make them the general measuring stick of truth. It is a most dangerous error among us that subjects of learning are taught without any attention to the true faith. One allows oneself free thinking and even lying under the supposition that faith and learning are two spheres which are quite distinct. Very, very interesting for that one. So now I want to skip ahead here. Page 59 has some good things in there. If you read through there, as does page 60, but we're going to skip to page 61. A man becomes entirely human when he comes to self-awareness and independence of mind. So you can see what, what we're building here towards. We're talking about what we're learning, and now we're talking about how a person develops 
this, uh, their, the beginnings of their mindset. So when he, when he becomes the complete master and commander of his own ideas and deeds and holds certain ideas, not because others have given these to him, but because he himself finds them to be true. A man, when he becomes a Christian, still remains a man. And therefore, in his Christianity, he must also be rational. Only this rationality should turn to the prophet of holy faith. And he continues that he confesses the only path of salvation, only the faithful path of salvation, that all other paths which are not in agreement with it lead to perdition. Very interesting there because, you know, we, we, you don't want to just blindly accept, but you need to, being raised in the faith, you come to accept, you learn it. You know, it's, it's like you're baptized and then you step into that baptism. You step into that fulfillment and that, that wholeness. All right, so that's 61. And then we're going to uh, jump to 62 where he says this. But if he has been conscious of it, meaning the, that they're, they're, the person's faith um, and that it becomes firm and unshakable. But if he becomes conscious of this, then just as previously a good example inclined him to follow it. So now a bad example can dispose him to do what is bad and draw him to sin. And just as the good thoughts of others previously possessed his mind easily and without protest. So now evil thoughts take possession of him. In experience, it is evident how precarious is the confession of faith and goodness of life in a man who previously has not become conscious of himself as a Christian. He encounters few temptations. Well, he who encounters few temptations will continue to mature longer in simplicity of heart, but one who cannot escape them will stand before great danger. So he talks about preserving that grace of baptism and dedicating dedicating oneself to God. Uh, This is indicated by such words as he became inflamed in spirit or he was ignited by divine desire. It goes back to that zeal that we were talking about in the beginning. And we can help cultivate that in our children. So something to think about, especially as we continue now to chapter six. So those were the three quotes that I wanted to share for chapter five. Now we're jumping to chapter six, and this is understanding a young person. And we're going to continue here in our study for on page 66. So you can jump there now. And I, I thought this was a really great analogy to this entire concept of, of youth and, and being raised from the very beginning with a Christian mindset versus a worldly one. The state in which we emerge out of the years of youth depends a great deal upon the state in which we enter into them. Water falling from a cliff foams and swirls below, but then it goes its quiet way in various courses. This is an image of youth into which everyone is thrown as water into a waterfall. From it, there comes out two kinds of people. Some shine with virtue and nobility, while others are darkened by impiety and a corrupt life. I mean, could, could the saint be any more explicit in what he's, in what he's sharing with us and encouraging with us here? Um, okay, so jumping to 72, you know, there's it, it, something interesting here to note that he talks actually of a third kind, a middle class, if you will, a mixture of good with evil, which is something like a firebrand that inclines now towards good and now towards evil, or like a broken clock that sometimes runs well, 
but sometimes runs fast or slow. I guess what he's saying here is a even a broken clock is right <laughs> twice in the same day, and even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Um, so just uh, just interesting there. I mean, the the saint is. I mean, even for us today, I, I really think this is just just so applicable. Uh, e- even us dads, you know, you, you're you're taking inventory. I, I, at least I did while reading this uh, about your current state and how you got there and how how you are or aren't so way off the mark. <laughs> at least at least in my experience. Uh, all right, so we're going to jump ahead to page to page seventy two. You know, I, I just want to say, I mean, I mean, I made so many notes in this book, and I'll try to share some of the uh, some of the things that I jotted in the margins on on Instagram or, or Twitter or wherever you follow me, just because it, it just so the saint's words just struck me, and how and how true and and how real it is even today. So now, oh, now this is great. Now he talks about circles of our friends. Think about the people that you, that you may have associated with uh, growing up, and how. Your parents didn't always love love them. At least I know my, mine didn't. And you know, but hey, I mean, it, it could. I guess it could have even been worse with some of the folks that you could have fallen into. Uh, but <clears throat> the saint says this: there are circles of friends with very bad ways of life. Being drawn in with them, you do not notice how you become united with them in spirit. Interesting. Just as you do not notice when you are in a foul-smelling place how foul you yourself smell. People themselves often lose awareness of the indecency of their own conduct, and they quite commonly become crude in it. And even this, and even if this awareness is awakened in someone in such a circle, he doesn't have the strength to get out. Each one is afraid to declare this, expecting that afterwards he will be persecuted with sarcasm. And he says, so let it be, perhaps it will pass away. It's like, I'm trying to get out, but they keep pulling me back in. You know, I'm reminded of that uh, that analogy that you probably hear of in um, like like business retreats and stuff like that. But you, you you have the you have a bucket of crabs, and anytime a crab tries to get out, every all the other crabs keep pulling them back in. So you can never you can never get out of the pail. Uh, and he says he pulls this from Corinthians: "Evil company corrupts good habits." Oh, Lord, deliver everyone from these depths of Satan. For someone who has decided to labor for the Lord, his only companionship is with those who are pious, who are seeking the Lord. One should avoid others and in all sincerity have no close contact with them, following the example of the saints of God. Wow, powerful. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a part of this men, online men's group that I, that I get to participate in from time to time. And we were just talking today about how, you know, how there's, there's all these, all this corruption out there and all this, everything that just leads you astray and how, you know, you, you can't just passively sit there and wait for the truth to be revealed to you. You've got to go out and seek it, you know, seek the kingdom of God. And that's when everything is added to you. You got to go out there and seek, you got to take that step like the prodigal son, and then God will come running to you. And because he, he, he wants you to repent to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to come back into the fold if you were uh, astray for any, for any time. You know what I mean? So it's up to us to go out there and, and just start. And then we can model it for our kids. Now I want to touch on, on page 76, 77. He talks about rational knowledge 
and worldly outlook. So he talks about rational knowledge and how he says, by this alone, he cuts off from his heart the whole attitude which comes from faith and the church and remains alone. Seeking substitutes for what he has abandoned, he throws himself into theories which are fabricated without any correspondence to divine truth. Interesting. This disaster is even greater if the occasion for these theories is given in the schools. And if such a spirit is the prevailing one there, people today think to gain possession of the truth, but they only gather together foggy ideas, empty and fantastic. And for the most part, even contradicting common sense. But these ideas attract the inexperienced and become an idol for a curious youth. Very, very fascinating. And then he says, secondly, there is a worldly outlook, even though it might pre present itself as something profitable. When this prevails in a youth, it is ruinous. It is marked by a life according to the impressions of one's senses, by a condition in which a person remains very little within himself, but is almost always outside of himself, whether in fact or in dreams. With such an outlook, one hates the inward life and those who speak about it and live by it. True Christians for them are mystics who are confused in their understanding or are hypocrites. Their understanding of the truth is hindered by the spirit of the world, which is present in the circles of worldly life, which a youth is allowed unhindered and is even advised to come into contact with. I have it in the margins here. Protect your children from the world and worldly influences. We need to do a better job of that. And as dads, I believe that is one of our primary responsibilities. Um, so consider that as we move on here. And finally, chapter seven, preserving God's grace. And this is great. He even talks about, you know, when if your upbringing is weak and, and what that looks like, he, he doesn't allow us to use hope, but he, he makes note of how difficult it is to start behind the eight ball already and how hard it is to catch up. Even though with God's grace, with his mercy, with our <clears throat> reorienting our ship, so to speak, we can get there and how other saints have. I mean, I'm reminded he, he we're going to talk about St. Augustine in a little bit here. And I'm reminded uh, certainly of St. Mary of Egypt, another, another classic example. Uh, obviously also the thief on the cross. So, so the Lord in, in his infinite mercy, I mean, there's a, ch there's a chance for all of us. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes. I'm saying there's a chance for all of us, but it's harder. It's harder. And he says on, so we're going to go to 80 and 81 talks about all this, these five aspects of if your upbringing is, is weak, going away from the church and it's grace giving means Failure to pay heed to one's bodily nature. Three, a development of the powers of the soul, which is undiscriminating and not directed towards a single aim. Excuse me. And a complete forgetfulness of the spirit. Prayer, fear of God and conscience are seldom taken into consideration. And five, finally, an exclusive concern for learning and giving oneself over to the world by means of fashionable ideas, rules, and customs. And he says... Each one of these causes, and even one of them, is sufficient to quench in a young person the life of grace. But it happens for the most part that they act together, and one unfailingly draws another in its wake. 
And they all together so obstruct the spiritual life that sometimes even the slightest trace of it can be noticed. Or not even the slightest trace of it can be noticed. It is as if a man has no spirit at all and was created not for communion with God, does not have the powers foreordained for this, and has not received the grace which gives him life. Hmm. I don't know if I really need to add add any commentary to that one. (laughs) Uh, So we're just going to jump ahead to page 86. That is not mincing any words. St. Theophan really lays it on thick. So we're going to jump ahead to page 86. Oh, this is great. The, The unshakability, but the chief form of moral perfection, which belongs to one who has preserved himself whole in the years of youth is a certain unshakability and virtue for his whole life. So he talks about now the fruit of godliness um, and what it looks like for the proper upbringing. He stresses how dedicating the, the first years of youth to God and how important that is. One must dedicate oneself to God for in this alone is salvation. And as you orient yourself, just like a ship towards God, it's going to be easier for you to choose God above the world. All right. But if someone hopes to live longer without dedicating this time to God, he will only make it difficult for himself, becoming used to a way of life, which is opposed to this. And God knows whether or not he will be able to conquer himself later. And even if he does conquer himself, what kind of sacrifice is this to God? An offering that is sick, worn out, injured in his members, not whole. Moreover, although this does happen, it is so rare. How rarely does one who has lost innocence succeed in regaining it? How difficult it is to be converted for someone who has not known a good life from childhood is depicted vividly from his own experience by Blessed Augustine in his Confessions. He says, the years of boyhood I spent in games and pranks, even those which are not allowed in disobedience and lack of attention to my parents. This is on page 88. When I entered upon youth, I began to lead an immoral life. And in three years, I became so corrupt that afterwards for the course of 12 years, I was constantly intending to correct myself and did not find the strength to do it. I mean, hey, it's February. Almost March. Where are you? Have you seen your New Year's resolutions lately? (laughs) Where are they? Uh, We can, I mean, just in that simple note, how, how, how hard is it for us to correct course, let alone reorienting ourselves, reorienting ourselves from this present life and, and, and what we focus on toward God. St. Augustine could do it. Uh, may God give us his strength to do the same. And he continues, even after I had made a turnaround to a decisive breaking of the will, I still tarried for two years, putting off my, con- my conversion from day to day. So weak does the will become from the first passions. Wow. But even after my decisive conversion and the reception of grace in holy baptism, what I had to endure fighting with my own passions, which drew me powerfully onto the path I had gone on before. And the saint says, is it remarkable that there are so few who are being saved among those who have led a bad youth? 
This example, more clearly than anything else, indicates in what great danger is a person who has not received good rules in his youth and has not beforehand dedicated himself to God. What good fortune, therefore, it is to receive a good, truly Christian upbringing, to enter with it into the years of youth, and then in the same spirit to enter into the years of adulthood. St. Theophan the Recluse, pray to the Lord for us. Raising them right. A saint's advice on raising children. Uh, thank you, St. Theophan, for blessing us with this work. Now to close, guys, let me share this quote with you from St. Seraphim of Sarav. Acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand, a thousand souls around you will be saved. It's talking about acquiring the Holy Spirit. It is our responsibility, guys, to help make our children live up to their God-given potential. If you weren't raised as such, start with yourself. Start now. Then help your children grow up in a way that is a testament to our Lord. With his mercy and grace, you will get there. You will run your own race and help your children do the same. Guys, I can't stress this enough. Start today. I'm Dave Gomzowski. God bless you all. And thank you so much for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.